It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikamo. With me is Benjamin Solak. Ben, not only is it Monday today, it is Mock Draft Monday. You say that as if every Sunday isn't Mock Draft Monday. But it's Mock Draft Monday for your boy. I had the honors of doing the Mock Draft this morning. Mock Drafts come out every single Monday over the DraftNetwork.com. And yours truly was the one who authored the one that currently just came out. Before we get to that, though, Ben, I got to ask you, the people got to know, how does it feel getting retweeted by Adam Schefter? For this first time, I had him had him tweet out an article, and then he's also, I yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we appropriately gave me the degree of clout as is, as I am uh, wants to have. Listen, dude, not only, I, look, I have some big name people who follow me. Right. But like everybody who's kind of in the industry probably has either at least like one or two like big name people that follow him, but they just follow him. Like there's no interaction that goes on. There's no like retweeting or whatever that goes on. Adam freaking Schefter not only follows you. But promos your stuff. I don't know. I I have never said a word to Adam Schefter in my life. And it's hilarious because if you look at Schefter's timeline, it's, um, you know, uh, even though uh, Jags owner Shad Khan said he expected Jalen Ramsey to play today, he will not. Ramsey's inactive. Seahawks tight end Will Disley done for the day. Baker Mayfield heads to the locker room. And now Baker Mayfield has returned. Dolphins bench Josh Rosen. And then my stupid mono joke just out of nowhere. I have no idea. I have no clue. This isn't even that funny of a joke. It really doesn't make sense. I oh, tweeted. I thought, that, I thought it was. I thought it was a fantastic joke. Yeah, I, I tweeted. It. I tweeted the Jets take a twenty-one to six lead into halftime as Sam Donald outshines Dak Prescott mono and mono, and I spelt the first mono like mononucleosis, and the second mono like man, which just basically says. I love the dude. Bono to man. Which, again, like, he's not really again. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. It's, it's just mono being pronounced differently. Or the same, I guess, and being spelled differently. But anyway, no, yeah, I mean, like, he retweeted fairly quickly. Um, and then I muted the tweet. And because there was no what way was I was going to do What were the final numbers on that bad boy? You know? It has uh, 2.7 thousand retweets and 18.3 thousand likes. So... That is. Yeah, that is. Uh, call my dream. dad and tell him he can be proud of me now. Dude, I think that I honestly, high key, think that you and Schefter would be like great pals. Like I could see you guys having the same exact type of humor. Well, I feel like yeah, I feel like people kind of rag on Schefter for being a bit of a nerd, and I think people kind of rag on me for being a bit of a nerd. So this doesn't seem too far outside of the uh, the scope, possibly. But I'm just gonna you know for now just be thankful that. Yeah, not only does Schefter follow me, but it's not from the shadows. It's apparently like a, a you know, right. Will, 
Now, every time I go to tweet a joke, I have to think, like, is this Schefter worthy? Right, like, I, right. I have a new, I have a new uh, uh, bar to clear here. High stress life I live, Trevor. Listen, we all can't do it. We all, you, Not everybody can handle that kind of responsibility. But you, sir, and your broad shoulders, you yeah, okay. You oh, can okay. it up. Give me a compliment. Just take it. All right, so speaking of the mock draft that we were talking about earlier before we got into Ben's clout, and how he's better than all of us, verbatim. I put out a mock draft this morning, and what we're going to do on this podcast is we're, we're going to talk about the games that happened on Sunday and college games that happened on Saturday, but we're going to do it as we kind of go through this mock draft. So it's a little bit of a mock draft Monday on the podcast. I'm going to get Ben's reaction to some of these picks. We're going to talk about some of the analysis, maybe why I had guys here, why I didn't have guys in the first round, that kind of stuff. So we got to start at number one overall, though, because I got Joe Burrow at number one overall. I have Joe Burrow going to the Cincinnati Bengals. And you know why, Ben? Tell me why. Because, you know, normally the way a draft works okay. is when you pick higher, you know, the, the, the good part about picking higher is that you have the chance to pick the best football players. Okay, so, okay. I'm there. You know, I'm there. I thought, you know, with that logic behind what was going on here, with the team that is picking at the very top of the draft, why would they not then take the most impactful football player, the best football player in college football right now? That's Joe Burrow. Whoa! Wow! 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 That wow. is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has been the best player in college football this year. I've rarely, if ever, seen a player. Ben, you and I talked about Joe Burrow. We, we referenced him when we were going through our summer scouting series. I th- I thought this guy was a day three prospect. I thought he was firmly a day three player during the summer. I thought so there was then so is much- he not a system product, sir? <laughs> Wait, how does, how does that immediately go one and one right there? He's playing well, that- in the same system. No, I mean, so they, oh, they, well, they, I mean, go ahead, yeah, they, go ahead. They changed the offense. Right, um, right, 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 right. Right, and, and that's the thing. I, I mostly was asking it to you in a facetious tone because it's something that's posited. Um, and simply, and this is a thing I hope to do this week, if you just go back and you just excise throws, and right. you just, you just, you know, take out, you know, like I think with Joe Burrow more so than any other quarterback, like, that I can remember in, in, in you know, my limited years of doing this, you could show me, like, a, a throw on a nine ball, and I could tell you if it was from 2018 or 2019 without seeing the team he was playing, the jersey he was wearing, whatever. Because he just has improved. He's just better at throwing the football. He's just clearly, and this, and, 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 you know, we talk about can quarterbacks get better at, you know, this trait? Can they get more accurate? Generally speaking, no. But in situations like where Joe Burrow goes from a first year starter to a now a two year starter, and, uh, you know, a multiple seasons as the number one rep taker in camp under his belt with improved pass catching weapons improved pass catching weapons help accuracy period they're more consistent route runners and you need consistent route runners in order to be accurate you cannot be accurate without consistent route running it's they're linked to each other Joe Burrow is now more accurate than he was. He's more it, accurate than he crazy was. crazy, too. Yeah. And it's not just like, it's not just pinpoint accuracy either. Like, dude's got touch. Dude's got rhythm. Dude can hit people going down the sidelines to the, uh, on nine routes. He can hit timing routes over the middle. He can float passes like wheel routes out of the backfield. It's not just, 
even the, the pinpoint accuracy. It's the total accuracy. This dude, like, he's been on a momentum spur since, like, the beginning of September. He just can't miss. He's almost at, Ben, he's almost at 80% completion percentage. Might Wild. be good. I mean, they were, what, how much, like, that Florida defense played, like, well, and they, what, put up 42 points? Uh, yeah, I mean, don't have, like, me 10 wrong. yards per play? Right. I mean, like, Florida could have tackled better and stuff, but the entire time, Joe Burrow took the field, and he was just like, yeah, we're scoring. I'm an assassin. I'm going to pick him apart. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm an assassin. So, like, and, and that's that's the thing, too, that Joe Burrow has talked about in the offseason. He talked about, hey, I didn't really realize before that when you put that helmet on, you got to flip a switch. And this year, when he puts the LSU helmet on, he flips a switch. He He turns into a cold blooded dude and, that's and everyone thing, on the man. team like, is rallying around him I, I as i said okay so things have changed burrow's a more accurate passer okay that that is what that is put it off to the side i don't remember at all in researching the bio on this kid uh going through the 2018 film right now we have one scouting report on the site on him and it's mine i, mm-hmm. I caught him as an assignment early in the year for all that he was coming into the season nobody told me this dude was cold like yeah. Burrow is, and maybe maybe it is a mentality thing. Maybe it's a momentum thing. Maybe it's a you know kind of a, a change that he's undergone from 2018 into 2019. Now that he's a senior and he's a starter and he wants LSU to make the playoff and challenge Bama and whatever, whatever the dude's doing and however he got here. I mean, he is, you know, he's got some. I like to cut on his jib a little bit. You know, he's got some pepper to him, <laughs> and and I didn't think that you had that. You know, I thought. We were in a situation where we might be in another Daniel Jones, another Josh Allen in right, terms of right. teams love him because he he's he's white bread. You know what I mean? He's vanilla ice cream. Like you know, he's not going to cause you any problems. No, um, he but he's helmet on. Yeah, he's got that's his zest. I appreciate yep. that a quarterback. No, I really like it too. So hey, you know, mock drafts around this point of the year, Ben, they're here for the what ifs. They're here for the alternate realities, right. okay? We're going to read a million mock drafts over the next 6 to 7 months that have Tua going number 1, okay? And and people who are like, "Oh, he'd never go above Tua." Okay, you might be right, but I'm trying to present you an opportunity and logically put it in front of you that, "Hey, Joe Burrow is this good." If you are considering Tua going number 1 overall, and let's face it, people have been putting Tua number 1 overall since the moment that he won his national championship 2 years ago. They haven't exactly cared about whatever he's done. Now, he's right. been good. He's maintained and everything. But I'm going to recognize a guy who has taken an unbelievable leap at the most important position in the game, who is right now, through seven, six or seven weeks of the season, whatever we are in college football, has been the best player in college football, not even close. Well, so, right, and this is, my main thing is this, like, in 20... 20- uh, 17 season, approaching the 2018 NFL draft, mm-hmm. who was the first overall pick at quarterback in a mock draft in October? Sam Darnold? Yeah, right. Uh, right. And then he went three. Sam. He went right. three, but Baker Mayfield went one. Mm-hmm. Right? And 2018 season, 2019 NFL draft, who was the number one pick in mock not drafts? Kyler. Nick not Bosa. Kyler. Not Kyler Murray. Right, and he went two. You know, we can find the good players. Yep. But first overall pick is on the board. Yep. Every year in the fall and even into the winter, it is on the board. I shouldn't say every year. There's some years where it's pretty clear, but there's other years where, like, you know, Goff, you know, was was always like a top guy, but no one knew Carson Wentz was going to come up and be pick number two. Like, people rise in the cycle, but they don't just rise like into the first round. They rise into the top five. You've got it, and that was something that I that I put in the beginning, like opening little excerpt to my mock draft, which nobody reads. I get it, but you have to allow players 
who are playing well, you, like that's got to reflect in your mock draft. You can't just sit here and, and I, I understand you don't want to be too fickle about things, but the players that are balling out at this point in the year, you have to allow them to rise in the draft. Don't just sit here and think about your summer scouting because you want to stay right on a guy or whatever it is. Don't be stubborn when you do mock drafts. Create different realities, see what could be possible, and base a lot of what you do, certainly on the information that you've gotten before. I'm not saying throw it all to the side, but you got to let people who are shining go up in your mock draft. And you, it's got to reflect it. You know, because this is also the most important year that players have if they're if they're about to go to the draft. We all right. We've spent a ton of time on Joe Burrow. I definitely want to hit a couple other ones. Ben, I got C.D. Lamb now at number three going to Washington. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Like a true hero. And I got to give you props. You were fully on CeeDee Lamb wide receiver one train. Not like I didn't like the guy. I've had him as a top 15, top 10 pick the whole time. But, dude, CeeDee looks even better than he was last year, man. And it's so crazy to think that because he was so good and he's got so much tape that people can really like over the last two years. And here he is this year with a yards after catch average that is just tough to fathom. We saw in that Texas game that if you just get the ball in this guy's hand, he can go win you a football game. And I know that the Redskins have a lot of needs. They could probably use a trench player on either side more than maybe a wide receiver. You know, they could probably use a Chase Young and Andrew Thomas. But I gave him C.D. Lamb because I kind of wanted to prove a point here and say that, hey, one, Washington needs weapons. Two, if you need a weapon in the top five, Jerry Judy ain't the only option. C.D. Lamb's here. And I would argue that Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb aren't the only options as well. You have uh, Ruggs at 18 to Oakland, which... I'll, like right now, Rugs lasting to 18 would surprise me in terms yeah. of what we've seen from his. Yeah, in terms of what we see from his play now, here's what's fascinating to me: the the common comp, the common I should say, like at least paradigm, you know, framework model for understanding Ceedee Lamb's play to this point has been DeAndre Hopkins. Like if Lamb is sure yep. is what we want him to be, yep, then DeAndre Hopkins is where he ends up. I'm becoming increasingly less sold on that because as we saw in this game against Texas, what Lamb does after the catch is beyond what Hopkins does after the catch. And like the, the, the spectacular catch is there, but Hopkins also uh, a, a stronger dude, a denser dude, like Lamb's a bit thinner and definitely more quick and definitely has better vision after the catch. He breaks more tackles than DeAndre Hopkins did, period, period. And so, period. Not right, a and, and not a comma. And people will people will come at you know over the top of that with it was a, a whole backup Texas secondary, and it was. But this is not just the Texas game. Mm-hmm. So we have to start understanding Lamb as like I think like DeAndre Hopkins still helps us with with the framework for who he is, but like Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, 
these are also Man. players that help us understand, I think, what Lamb can become at the NFL level. Uh, yeah. We're talking about some of the highest volume targets in the league in terms of what Lamb projects to in, in body type and how he wins. Uh, so he's a, a thrilling player. I mean, he's like, there are some yeah. players who are just so gosh darn fun to watch. And that's CD yeah. Lamb for me. That's, that's totally CD yeah. Lamb. I, don't, I mean, everybody who watched that Red River rivalry knows how good he can be now. Just because if, if you get this guy the ball at any point in the field, he can take it the distance with speed, with strength, with determination, good hands. I mean, he's, he's got it all. So I, the, the comps that you named, those, those, those guys, those players, those are all pros, right? Those are pro bowl guys. CD Lamb's right up there. He's got that kind of NFL outlook. I want right, to talk yeah. about some Go ahead. players. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Said, you said risers who, you were talking about Joe Burrow. You said risers. You know, you got to let people rise up in your mock drafts. You got to let people, you know, get themselves into the first round. Uh-huh. Jalen Hurts at 11. Yeah. Uh, you got, we got Hampson at Cyril Dean at 20. Sean yep. Wade, corner, Ohio State at 21. Yep. We got Javon Kinlaw at 24 to the Vikings. 28, we got Marvin Wilson to the Seahawks. 30, we got Tylen Wallace to the Saints. I, I very much appreciate the extent to which you got a lot of these guys into the first round. The one who really stands out to me as, I think he, I, I like of these guys, I think a lot of them have first round potential. The one who if I had to like put money on it right now, mm-hmm. Hampson is Cyril Dean. The yeah. safety out of Florida State. Did you Listen. see the pick? Did you see the pick on yes. Saturday? Yes. Dude, which that was just dumb. I mean, come on. Just like what? I mean, like so, I mean, like the thing. The thing before with with Nasir Aldean, and I, and you've probably watched more of him than I have, so definitely want to get your your thoughts on him. But going into the year when we were scouting, and you brought his name up to me, I was watching his tape. I was like, okay, this guy's around the ball a lot. Like like this guy, he really knows how to how to hunt the ball down. Um, he's a reliable tackler. He could be a stopper for you, whether it's in the run or, or doing some pass coverage. But I didn't see this like impact coverage player on at least the tape that I watched. And I was like, okay, well, you know, he's he's a good he's a good tackler. I think he's a good back end player. I think he's a good safety valve. But um, I, like I didn't see a ton of total impact for him on the back end. What I've seen from him this year is that he has taken over that Florida State defense. Him and Marvin Wilson are like yeah. taken over there. The, him and Marvin Wilson are looking at, at Willie Taggart and going, "Screw you." Yeah, this is our last year here, and we're gonna ball out with or without you. They're looking I'm at get you paid know next year. Alex Hornibrook and 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 Blackman. I mean, like, listen, we're doing our bit. You got Cam Akers and Tavoy and Terry. Let's I go. Got, I got three months left in this program, and then I'm out. <laughs> but right here's 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 why I think Hampson is the first rounder. Number one, as you said, what's the best fit? But What's the best fit is a question we have to ask as the 33rd franchise, because we look at the other 32, and we say, okay, like, you know, like, I know Henry Ruggs is going to go in the first round. Why? Because there's not a single team in the league that doesn't need speed. Nasir Dean, like, some teams in the league probably don't know what to do with a 6'4", 215 safety linebacker overhang guy, right? So it's confusing, but I know there are some defenses in the league and some coordinators in the league who do know what to do with a player like this. And because they know what to do with a player like this, they'd kill for a player like this. Because 6'4", 215. 6'4", I mean, what? Like, it's it's Julio Jones playing linebacker, right? And, like, they, I mean, Julio's, like, 6'2", 6'3". Like, this is a 
this is this is an unbelievable athlete that never makes it to the defense. That's why Nasir Dean and Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson are so interesting because mm-hmm. these size right. players right. don't make it to the defense because when they're right. in high school they want to score the football right and it so they play over right. And so they, they, they get them off. And so how these guys get to stay on defense is hugely important. Then the fact that they are on defense makes them massively valuable players. I mean, if you face Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz in your division, Evan Ingram, OJ Howard. Correct. I was about to say Austin Hooper, but I couldn't even take that seriously. <laughs> you know, Hans and the like this is this, you need this player. If you do any sort of, of, pattern matching, hybrid fronts, you want to be able to drop safeties into the box. This is who you need. Mm-hmm. And so Nasir Dean might not be a first-round pick for 32 teams, but he's definitely going to be a first-round pick for 12. Somebody you know, And right. one of those guys is going to have to take him because you do not find body types and athletes like this every year. I mean, he and we always don't know safety. If you look back at projections – for the NFL draft versus what happened in the NFL draft, we're always wrong on safety. We always have no clue what's going to happen. So Nasir Dean, to me, feels like that wild card that gets into the first round. I was very happy that you got him there. Very happy to see Sean Wade there as well. I think Wade does not have the name recognition as Jeffrey Akuda does, who you had going uh, ninth overall to the Giants, and appropriately so. so. So yeah, I wanted I wanted to get your your, your take on on Wade specifically, and I knew we'd touch on Akuda a little bit because I do have Akuda in the top ten right now. Because man, he we talk about players that have really turned it on this year. I mean, he got some starting nods last year. Towards the end of the year, you like some of his tape. You're like, okay, this guy can kind of play, but um, he's still green to his position and to a starting role at Ohio State. He comes in, and, man, he's made a huge impact for Ohio State, but he's not the I, only uh, guy, right? Sean not, Wade is another I'm one. I'm not fully there on Akuda just yet, but it's okay. Okay, all right. He's played exactly um, one draftable receiver this year. <laughs> that's. I mean, Ohio State's competition hasn't exactly been that fierce, and so – we will get to a point where if Okuda is that good, he will be able to prove it. And I tweeted this on Saturday, I believe, when Alabama was going off uh, once again, that I don't care how it happens. We, the people, need Ohio State's DBs versus Alabama's wide receivers. It's a shame that Georgia lost to South Carolina, though it's also hilarious that Georgia lost to South Carolina because we could have gotten semifinal – Justin Fields versus Jake Fromm, and then winner of that game, hopefully Ohio State, goes on to play Alabama. That would have been awesome. You know? Because it would have been Jalen Hurts versus Alabama in the other half. Right. Can't can't, can't be too perfect. But I I did want to touch on Wade and specifically ask you about Wade because this is a good barometer for – I know you've watched a good deal of him. You're also Uh an Eagles fan. So you know the Eagles' needs on the team. Ben, when I looked at this pairing of giving Sean Wade to the Eagles, I thought to myself, the Eagles have a lot of secondary needs. Maybe outside cornerback is more important than inside cornerback. But I just thought that they needed to pick the best defensive back available. Do you think that was fair with Wade at the point in the draft in which I gave him to the Eagles? Right. Well, I don't think, I don't think Wade's cording to the nickel at all. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he has to be a, a slot back because to this point, Richard sophomore Sean Wade playing behind Jeffrey Kuda, Damon Arnett, Kendall Sheffield, whatever. There's not been an open outside corner space. There's not really been like a competition for him to even go out and win. You know, they've like that Ohio State's been so talented at, at the secondary. They like coming into the season, it was like, all right, how are we going to find ways to get Sean Wade onto the field? Because we already have. 
Jordan Fuller and Damon Arnett and, and Jeffrey Okuda. We got to find a way to get Wade out there. So we'll have him play nickel. But in terms of size, he's an outside corner. In terms of physicality, he's an outside corner. In terms mm-hmm. of, of explosiveness and long speed down the field, he, he plays outside corner. Like, I have mm-hmm. no fear about him translating to the outside whatsoever. I think, as you appropriately said for Philly, I mean, Philly could use an outside corner, another outside corner, a nickel corner, two new safeties, a new defense coordinator, all of it. You know what I mean? Like, the, the secondary is just as bad as it gets in the NFL. So, I would, you know, uh, to me, like, any corner pick makes sense. But I don't, I think, critically with Wade, who always have seen, seen him. seen the Bucks corners? I probably should have said that before, but. You said that it was you said that it was bad as it gets in the NFL. Trevor, Kirk Cousins. Yes. Three hundred and fifty yards, four passing touchdowns. Pretty sure Kyle Allen had like zero incompletions yesterday in London. So I mean that's not true, but it felt like it. Felt like it. Either way, I mean like at, again, welcome to the locked on passing <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, but either way. Wade, Wade is, Wade is, is, is thrilling. I think Wade's first rounder. Uh, I don't think he comes out this year, but I think when he comes out, he looks like a first round talent to me. Uh, he's a lot of fun. Physical dude, too. Yeah. His size. No, I know. I think he's really good. I was, uh, I wanted, I wanted to get him there because I did think that it was the right range. I thought the, the fit was good, but I also made sure that I wanted to ask you that question because you knew the situation and how, what you thought of Wade going where he did to the Eagles could uh, be a good barometer. As I have a question for you. Sure. Yeah. Two running backs. Mm-hmm. Travis Etienne, 25. Yes. Miami Dolphins, which means yes. the Dolphins Hall, for those of you playing at home, uh, one, Joe Burrow. No. Two, two, Tagovailoa. Two, Tagovailoa, I lied. Six, Jerry Judy. And 25, Travis Etienne. Yes. Uh, offensive facelift, if there ever was one. Yes. Uh, so 25, Etienne goes to Miami. Very next pick, 26, Buffalo brings in Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift. Doesn't yes. make the first round. Third yes. running back off the board, I'm assuming. Could even be fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, why these two? And is this what we're thinking right now in terms of what's on NFL boards? Are we thinking that, that Etienne and, and Taylor have the advantage over Swift? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, so I wrote this in my mock draft, and uh, I believe it was Abraham Lincoln who, yes. who first who first coined the phrase uh, that has withstood the test of time, and that is that you can't teach speed. And where I think that DeAndre Swift might be a better overall running back to some people, I really do think that it's a mix of these three guys. And like you said, we have a hard time judging what the NFL thinks about safeties. I think it gets really pick your preference with running backs with teams. And so for DeAndre Swift to not be in this first round mock draft and for these other guys to be in there, I wouldn't, I would not say that that's a shot at DeAndre Swift. I still really like DeAndre Swift. He's a great prospect. He's a very well rounded running back. He can do a lot of special things for you. I think that Jonathan Taylor is better than DeAndre Swift. I think that he is RB1 right now. So that's why I had. Taylor going to the 
I guess you'll you'll say like the one traditional running back slot that I had in this mock draft with him going to Buffalo. The reason why I had Etienne going to the Dolphins is because I think the Dolphins are going to be in the business of acquiring unique talent. I think that they've looked at their roster probably over the last four or five years and thought, okay, we have good players. We even had some great well-rounded players, but they never made a difference. They weren't elite enough in one area for us to really succeed one way or the other. And I think that you're going to watch the Dolphins, as they rebuild this team with as many draft picks as they have, pick unique talents. Uh, I think Jerry Judy is a unique wide receiver and how fast his feet are, how easily he can separate. Obviously, the chemistry that he has with Tua Tagovailoa goes without saying, if you could pair those two together in the NFL, that'd be a good Kickstarter for both of them. But then here at the end, I would just have the Dolphins, and I said this in here too, they could very well be picking an offensive lineman. There are some guys to be had later in this round. Tyler Badiadish was was a guy from Wisconsin that I could have very well put here. Creed Humphrey's another player that I could have put here. Um, There's a couple of offensive linemen that were still on the board as well, or offensive tackles, pardon. But I just looked at how they could capitalize with skill positions with difference makers. And I look at Travis Etienne's speed, and, man, when that guy runs a 4-2-2 at the Combine this February, you're just going to you're gonna see mock drafts all over the place try to get him with almost <laughs> every team in the NFL, it feels like. And mm-hmm. here I just had him going to the Dolphins because of that reason, because of that thinking. I think they're going to go after unique guys that are elite in winning at a certain way because they know that that's going to be X factors on any given play. I think that's why Etienne gives him the edge there. I'm going to die when the Buffalo Bills... Yeah, eventually. Yeah, when the Buffalo Bills draft... So they draft Devin Singletary last year in the third, maybe fourth round, I can't remember. Yes. He's 203 pounds. They're going to draft Jonathan Taylor. Taylor's going to be 222 pounds. Singletary ran a 466. Mm-hmm. Taylor's going to run like a 444. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they draft... Singletary was such a weird athlete in terms of testing. He was awful. And then they're going to go out and they're going to draft who looks like an absolute bruiser. Taylor's going to be like three inches taller and 20 pounds heavier. And he's going to be the fast breakaway guy. Yep. And Singletary's going to be the short yardage guy. And it's yep. going to blow the mind of everybody over the age of 30 watching the Buffalo Bills play. Was there a player, uh, only a few minutes left in this podcast, was there a player that I didn't have in the first round that you really wanted in there? Either Gross Matos, maybe Julian Aquara. I already talked about... Um, Badiades, um, anybody else? Badiades? Tyler Biades? Oh, yeah, 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 sorry. I was saying his name wrong. You idiot! Um, it's a weird spelling name, man. Give me right. a break. I appreciated, sorry, fans. I, I appreciated in there. the wide receivers that you got in, in Jerry Judy, CD, or well, CD Lamb, then Jerry Judy, then Henry Ruggs, and the last one you got in was Tyler Wallace, who mm-hmm. I, as you know, love a great deal out of Oklahoma State. Uh, 30th overall to the New Orleans Saints, and I think Wallace makes a lot of sense for the mold of receivers that the Saints like, but in doing so, you sacrifice LaVisca Chenault out of I Colorado, Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, Jalen Rieger out of TCU, and T. Higgins out of Clemson. Now, I, I've listed eight receivers now in this conversation. We're at the stage of the draft cycle where there's eight receivers who are definitely first-round players, you know what I mean? Like, depending on who you ask, you know, we've got like, oh, like, this guy's going first round, this guy's going first round, so it's tricky, right? But... I do think it will be interesting to see. I think that Judy, Ruggs, Lamb are your clear top three. I would say all three of those guys are first-round locks. After them, who is wide receiver four for the for the NFL now? Mm-hmm. And who is it going to be in April? 
no idea. Roll dice. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it's a fascinating conversation. So I appreciate that you got Wallace in. Cause I do think Wallace has been a riser. I do think Wallace has the talent to push for the first round. It's, you know, right now, if you ask me, like Wallace is my number four receiver. LaVisca Chenault's my number five. If you ask me who the NFL has taken first, I mean, it's hard for me to say Wallace over Visca. Um, mm-hmm. So wide receivers is a tricky one. How many can you get into the first round? How many will the NFL get into the first round? And in what order are they going to go off the ball, the, the board? Wide receivers always, you know, it's a, it's a body type thing. You know, you might have a team choose Visca over Wallace because they already have a Wallace-like player and they feel like they need a Visca-like player, you know, so it, it kind of is situational right. like that. Right. And that's the, that's the case with a lot of wide receivers. As we're seeing teams spread the ball out a lot more using three, four wide receivers regularly, where these guys go in, let's not just say the, the, the end of the first round maybe, but even the top 50, the top 100, there are players that you could have much higher on their board as like overall talents. But if they win in the area, they want them to win. Like if they're a, a short shifty player who could be a great wide receiver three in the slot that a team needs and they're going over guys who might have more overall talent at wide receiver that's just going to happen all the time that's the nature of the draft the further down we get in the draft from that pick number one going all the way through to the seventh round it becomes so much more of a like we were saying before like a pick your preference on a lot of these guys so i think that's kind of a testament to how good this wide receiver class is and 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 Going back to what we were talking about with running backs, too, this is just a really talented skill player draft. Yeah, I think the teams are going to get a lot of really good difference makers, not just in the first round, but second and third as well. Anywhere in the top 100, I think is fair game to be picking some of these high-impact skill players. So that's kind of what I think. I, I, I know that you've had some thoughts on comparing this class and what be, could be this class to classes of the past. Um, and I think that, you know, in, in, again, my opening paragraph, I said at the, the very end before the mock starts, I'm like, please, please no more injuries because this class has a chance to be really, really good. I think on both sides of the ball. I agree. And I, and I, I like the point that you made to kind of put a bow on it and that we got unique players and unique players leads for some really interesting hypotheticals in terms of just how valued some of these, you know, guys who don't come around every so often, you know, they're not a yearly product, just how they're going to be valued, how that's going to shake out. 2020 class is fun. And it's just, oh, well, all the classes are fun at the draftnetwork.com 33 NFL franchise, but 2020 <laughs> class is pretty fun. A little shade, a little shameless plug there. Appreciate it. Appreciate you getting that in before the podcast is over. All right, there we go. Mock, little, little mock draft Monday. We'll probably do some more mock draft Monday stuff as the year goes on. Uh, I really enjoyed running through this. I thought it was a good discussion talking about team fits and where they are with where certain prospects might be. It's a good way to catch up on what's recently happened in the football world, both in college and the NFL. So, Ben, next time you do a mock draft, we'll do a mock draft Monday, and we'll we'll go back and forth talking about yours as well. And then I'm sure once we get into draft season, like we have very often on this podcast, almost every th- single Monday, we'll start running through scenarios. We'll start running through mock drafts because I know that you guys love it. And uh, let's face it, you know, we're all doing this draft thing because of the exercise that is mock drafts. You know, like whether you grew up watching Todd McShay and, and Mel Kuyper or whether you're you're new to the Twitter world and you have your favorite writers, uh, of course, everyone at thedraftnetwork.com, but then, you know, whoever might be under that, we all love the mock draft exercise. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's a way to connect uh, the college guys and the NFL guys and get a good scope on the football landscape. But tomorrow we're talking college football. We're going strictly college. We're going to talk about a big weekend that happened this past Saturday from a couple of really big games. And uh, we touched on it a little bit today, Ben. 
the impact that it's had on some of these prospects. There were some there were some games that were some difference making games on Saturday, were there not? Absolutely. There were some big stock up, stock down performances, sir. Draft, stock, market. Love it. Maybe we could call that a segment. We gotta start getting more reoccurring segments in the show. Just so we can just tell make the whole show segments. Just what so if we, we made can, the just, whole I, show out of segments. I know. I, well, you know, <laughs> then we would have uh, what we're doing tomorrow. Because we got all of our college football awards we got to give out. We're going to have another Thick Boy of the Week award. So you guys don't want to miss that. Next day, we'll be looking forward on what will be the week of college football. And then, of course, looking forward in the NFL on Thursday as well. Then Fran Friday is going to be coming up after that. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.